Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. All right, I got to get right into it, Jackson. I don't have time for your stuff today. <laughs> I want to know what the, where the people are on this, because I'm asking executive producer Mike Ryder this in between TMA and our show, and just talking with uh, Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman and Matt Rocchio about their show. Uh, what are people more upset about today the Cardinals blowing a six six run lead or the David Perron situation six five seven eight zero where are you it's a, it's 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 you know you know it's it's like when I'm a uh, cross-examining people sometimes I work as an attorney and uh, it's a yes or no question so so you have two choices you got it you got to be more upset about well maybe maybe you're like well I'm not a Cardinal fan at all so I don't care maybe you're like I'm not a Blues fan at all so I don't care so my answer is the Cardinals but I'm just curious where it is and uh, in talking to Mike Ryder, executive producer here at 101 ESPN, before we came in, uh, he said it seems like there's more Perron angst than Cardinal angst, which is really saying something. Now, we, you know, for those of you who are not aware, we're doing uh, TMA, a show we've been doing since 2004, down the hallway at the same time Randy and Michelle are on. So I don't get a chance to hear their show. But David Perron was on with them. Yeah at 7.30 this morning. So I will be hearing this for the first time. Uh, if you listen to Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman this morning, you've already heard this, and you can go podcast the entire thing with the Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's podcast. Uh, but Jackson, do you have the audio uh, I do. at your disposal? All I right, do. I would like to hear this. I am uh, hearing it uh, for the very first time, and I want to hear what he had to say about the situation. Yeah, um, no, it, <clears throat> that's definitely the hard hard part for me as well. I, I just kind of felt like over the last... Uh, four years uh I, I gave it all and i uh, found a way to, to get better and even throughout this year when people uh in january i had a stretch of maybe five to seven games where it was tougher for me um and then people were were thinking maybe it was going to start turning the other way i found a way to kind of really push on that have the best playoffs playoffs i've ever had probably this year uh I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know if I've ever felt I had a chance to come back in, in the sense that, yeah, some, some things were, were said in the media and uh, it's all great and, and things. But in the background, uh, I guess I, the best way to describe it, uh, if, if you're going to tell your childhood buddy uh, you want to have dinner with him, uh, but you never make space for him, uh, th- that's your priorities in life and that's how it goes. So it, it kind of felt much the same for me. And I think that's the most dis- disappointing uh, part. I don't know if I've ever felt that um, I was going to have a chance to stay. And the other thing is uh, a lot of people were talking it was money and all that stuff. And it never was the case. So uh, that's the disappointing part for me, for sure. 
David Perron this morning with Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman. And you can listen to the entire interview uh, on the Dobbs Tire and Auto Center podcast. So this is this is this is a little new here. Uh, and listen, there are certainly moments over the course of the last three years since the Blues won the Cup where people were frustrated, whether it be with the organization or with a player, or with a coaching move. I mean, hell, we were reading texts like in March where people wanted to see uh, Ryan O'Reilly stripped of the sea. But with with all of that said, this this is this is a little unique because you have a player who is you know, become really popular in St. Louis, long-term run with the Blues. And I feel like it's one of the first times in, in at least recent memory where it sounds like what the message the organization is putting forth regarding what they wanted to do and what the player has to say on the way out the door and heading to Detroit with uh, many members of the roster, uh, that uh, you're hearing two different things. And clear frustration. So my understanding, and again, just to, to restate it, because I know many of you listen to the radio station all day, which is wonderful. I'm doing a show from 7 to 10, uh, and so I don't get a chance to hear it. And so I'm able to talk with Randy and Michelle as, as I come in and they're heading out. And, uh, and, and what they were saying is you could clearly tell that he was frustrated by what had transpired. Now, you heard it in his answer there. It's like having a friend say, you want to get together for dinner, and then you never set anything up. Uh, and that's how he felt this played out. It's like, yeah, we want to bring you back. But then they never gave him an actual option to come back. And what Michelle and I were talking about, and this is what she said, and I don't know, maybe people maybe people are going to see it differently. I haven't had a chance to look at the Air Comfort Service text line yet, and we've got so much to get to. It's going to be all Cardinals and Blues all day here. Uh, is, is this, is say to him, and this is what Michelle was saying, say to him, listen, we have a caps situation, but we would love to bring you back. That is why this offer is not what you're probably going to be able to get in the open market, but we just want to try to make it work to at least give you the choice. If you find it offensive, know that there is no intent uh, in it being offensive. It's not an attempt to lowball. This is just the spot that we're in with the cap, and if we are going to tend to something else that they may not have tended to yet, who knows? That we are going to have to. Uh, we're, this is what. This is all we can do. And if you want to go, we totally understand. Something along those lines. Um, I'm here's where I am. Uh, and you know, if you listen to this show regularly, uh, I was under the impression he would be coming back. Didn't really think it was much of a sweat. Uh, so I was 100% wrong on that, as I am often uh, wrong on things. And um, But I was, here's the one thing that I was even more wrong on, was under the impression that the Blues really wanted him back. But I think a lot of, I think a lot of people listening, maybe you yourself, were under the impression that the Blues wanted him back. And so Perron's frustration, I think, my sense is, is not necessarily that he's headed to Detroit, per se. But I think he's frustrated that the messaging to the Blues fan base was one thing when what was going on from his perspective, now this is from his perspective, what was going on from his perspective was much different. And so that, I believe, is at the center of where David Perron is coming from. Uh, Now... From a 30,000-foot view on this, this 
may just be part of a necessary, unfortunate, so to speak, step for the Blues, uh, and that they had to allow David Perron to go in order to do what they see as necessary to improve the team for 2022-2023. And so if they are going to do that, even offering David Perron $3 million, just for the sake of the discussion, considering what he got from the Red Wings with his AAV there, that, that it just it wasn't even worth risking him taking that. I don't know. My, you know, for full transparency, I, I don't know. I don't think that the Blues are done. Um, but at the same time, I was a guy during the 2021-2022 offseason with the Cardinals who would have never thought that Steven Matz was all they were going to do. Right. And relative to, all due respect, Corey Dickerson and uh, Drew Verhagen, uh, you know, they really didn't do a whole lot in this offseason. So maybe I will be wrong on that. But I that's I just I just can't imagine that this this is it. Now, Jerry Rutherford wrote an incredible story. He's going to be in studio with us uh, for the entire show tomorrow. And I'm looking forward to that. And he wrote a great story on The Athletic, giving the background, really kind of like a 30 for 30 of sorts on what transpired with Perron. So major recommendation for reading that. And uh, and saying that this was all set in motion uh, early on. And, yeah, the Blues were saying that they wanted it to happen, and Perron was certainly interested in wanting to happen, but it never really got anywhere. Uh, and the, and at the, by the time they started talking at the draft or at the time of the draft in Montreal last week, the Blues already had set in motion two things that were going to make Perron coming back really nearly impossible, and that is the big-time extension that Robert Thomas got yesterday and uh, Nick Letty. And so at that point, that wasn't going to really happen. And I think that's the source of frustration. So when you heard earlier in the week from Jeremy Rutherford talking about uh, in his column about there was a sense on the prawn side that they were frustrated, that they felt like they still had to prove how much they really wanted to be in St. Louis and be a part of the Blues, you get the sense it was because they weren't getting anything from the Blues. And now you hear what he had to say with Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman this morning on Carricker and Smallman, and it drives that home. I think it clinches that. So as a Blues fan, I think a lot of people were already really unhappy going into yesterday. Then he goes to the Red Wings. Then it makes it official that he's not coming back and he's going to Detroit. Mm-hmm. And this, so then, then, then the unha- unhappiness for some, not for everybody, for some increases. And then for those who get a chance to hear what you may have just heard on our show or you heard the entirety of with, with Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman, uh, that may have increased your frustration. So that will certainly be a topic of discussion here. It really says a lot. It says a lot just in general for the St. Louis sports scene at this particular moment as somebody who has been working in television and radio here since 2000 that the morning after the Cardinals blow a six-run lead to the best team in the National League or depending on your perspective, one of the best teams in the National League, uh, one of the best teams in baseball, Mm -hmm. they blow a six-run lead that most of the frustration is directed toward the Blues and uh, a 34-year-old forward who is uh, who is moving on to Detroit 
so I don't know, I don't know what that says, um, but I can just tell you that that is what I am observing, and that is where people are at this moment. But we will talk about both. We will talk about the Cardinal side of things here with the Dodgers coming back last night after being down six nothing into the seventh inning. Dan McLaughlin is going to join us coming up at ten forty five, and of course we'll continue this discussion regarding Prawn and the Blues in the next segment as well. My name is Tim McKernan, and this is Balloon Party on One Hundred and One ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to McKernan with you for an hour. A lot to get to here on the show, so I want to get right back into it. Uh, With regards to what we talked about in the first segment, and uh, like I said, I would recommend uh, podcasting if you didn't hear it live. David Perron on with Michelle Smallman and Randy Carricker. Um... And then we'll get into the Cardinals blowing a six-run lead last night against the Dodgers. Uh, let's see what we got here. I thought we got some really good texts on this, and I was reading them during our commercial break. Honestly, I'm impervious to any moves the Blues make, as Army has incredibly high fan equity. Just about everything he does works. That's from Eric in the Central West End. As much as people applaud Doug Armstrong for being a GM that wants to win, uh, and spends to the cap every year, and you know the Blues sit out every year to win a champion or set out every year to win a championship, but at the same time, they are cutthroat. And they've told fans before that they don't want to develop a relationship with players because of how they operate. You can't get mad at John Mazalak and the Cardinals for being loyal to certain players and keeping them around when they probably should move on because of loyalty and then also get mad at Doug Armstrong for doing the opposite and putting business in before loyalty. What do you think about that, Jackson? I thought that was uh, an insightful text. Very much so. We have sometimes the texters really surprise me with their insight. Now, what do you mean by that? Because I, I, because I, I, to me, if you were if you were looking at it from a cynical point of view, I would tell you that that came across it as a, as a shot. Yeah, and it might have come across. I didn't mean it to. Just a lot of times, I see a lot of less than insightful texts come in, which is a really polite way of putting it. So with regards to specific, I got to tell you, I get it. I think here's the thing that's different with the Perron thing, at least from where I was coming into the discussion. Mm -hmm. I was under the impression that the two sides were talking and that the two sides were interested in getting a deal done. Right. And so what Perron's words this morning here on 101 ESPN change for me is that that was not the case. Listen, it is kind of contrary to what the text, although I do think that there's a lot of value to what the texter said, if you're comparing and contrasting the Cardinals, I'm telling you, and I'm probably going to forget some. uh, One I can specifically recall was Mike Matheny. Another one was David Eckstein. Uh, Kyle Loesch was another one. I had this, this, here's a little story. I like to, I like to... Tell stories, Jackson. Regale the audience. I like to regale the audience. That's actually much better than saying I like to tell stories. I like to regale the audience. And uh, Kyle Osh was kind of a friend of TMA, and he would be on often. And uh, and so he was frustrated after what was a really good year. I believe it was 2012 for Loesch and the Cardinals, for that matter. They were went away from the World Series. And he was frustrated he hadn't heard from the Cardinals. And just was really disappointed and felt like he had had a hell of a year and it was worth at least having a phone call. And I can't remember how this came to pass. If I had texted John Mazalak or if he texted me, but he said something along the lines of, 
and I'm paraphrasing because it's been a decade now, but if you want to carry the water for players, be my guest, but that isn't what our responsibility is here. Mm-hmm. In other words, I think I asked him, like, do you have any response to what Kyle Loesch said? He was on the show this morning. I think that's what happened. Again, it was a decade ago, and I remember he said, I remember the specific phrase, if you want to carry the water for certain players, I'm like... I don't, you know, I like, I, I've gotten to know Loesch a little bit, but right. I mean, I, you know, I, I recognize that it's business and you got to do whatever you think is best. Yeah. I'm just asking, for example, if somebody were to accuse me of something, mm-hmm. I think it's only right if you are covering whatever the story would be to give me the opportunity to respond. Now, if I don't want to respond, that's fine. Right. But I wouldn't then say to the person who's asking me the question, well, if you want to carry water, I can, I can tell you what my side of the story is. Uh, my point in telling that story is Matheny had an awkward exit going from the Cardinals to the Giants. Uh, I'm not talking about his manager, of course. I'm talking about his catcher. David Eckstein was frustrated that he didn't hear from the Cardinals. I feel like that might have been the case with Woody Williams as well. Uh, and I know I'm missing missing another one. But but either way, my point is, is that even though the Cardinals, and it's probably because of the Matt Carpenter thing, uh, but the, the Cardinals, oh, we're so loyal, we're so loyal, and then we spend money on guys who you shouldn't be spending money on. That was what the Cardinals would do, and it would really frustrate the aging player. Is it Whitey Herzog who said the toughest thing about being a manager is is managing aging players and mm-hmm. in, in, in the tough spot that, that you can get in with playing time or when it's time to say goodbye? Yeah. So I get that. Again, I want to make sure I'm coming across clearly to the audience I'm not, listen, I, because what Eric in the Central West End texted in, Doug Armstrong gets the benefit of the doubt from me based on making moves that you might in the moment think, man, I don't know about this, and no they doubt. work out. Now, no they doubt. don't all work out, but he has equity, and I think he has equity with most of the fan base. The, the, the thing that stands out to me about this story is you see what Perron went for, relatively speaking, for most of us, I think we'd be thrilled with making $4 million a year, but relatively speaking, for what it cost, it was a little lower than I think people may have thought in only two years. And then secondarily, uh, the thing that I think stands out is people thought that the Blues were going to try to make it work, and then they didn't, according to David Perron. So those are the things that I think stand out for people this morning. I don't think people are necessarily raging uh, about not keeping him, although I'm sure some are, I think it's just, oh, this is surprising. This isn't the way I thought it was going down. And then you hear from David Perron, and if you really wanted to see him come back and then you hear his frustration on it, then it stands out. So with all of that said, uh, the difference between last year's team and next year's team is we now don't have Perron and Huso. How is that going to be, Colorado? Uh, Doug Armstrong does not have equity with me. That is from... The 636. Huge cards and blues fan checking in here. Not mad at either thing. Blowing big leads is a part of baseball, and a really good team scored one more run on you than they did the day before. Uh, Bullpen has been good overall, and it's not like they gave up a six run lead to the Reds or the Pirates. That's from the 636. I think at this point, maybe I'm off the mark on it, and maybe it's because the Cardinals rattled off the winning streak they rattled off last September, that. I th- here's here's where I think the difference is for why people maybe aren't as mad about the Cardinals this morning as they would have been if this happened a week ago. Mm. And that's because they had won two straight against the Phillies team they're competing with right now at the moment anyway for the wild card, and they had won 
uh, the first game of the series against the Dodgers. If this were coming in the midst of a losing streak, and then you lose a 6-0 game, and I think a lot of people who at least monitor pitching matchups, and you're going, oh, you're going up against per- perhaps the Cy Young Award-winning right. pitcher right. in the National League, and you put up those kinds of runs against him, I think people are able to take a step back from that and go, okay, yeah, it didn't go well against the Braves in the first two games against the Phillies, and that carried over from the weekend before against the Phillies, but they had won three straight, and they were up 6-0, and it was against a guy who just hadn't been giving up any runs. So relatively speaking, they certainly should have won that one, but they had won three straight. I think that might change it for people. Maybe yeah, I'm off on that. Call. I think it's a good call. Maybe I'm off on that, and as this, this person texted in, you know, it wasn't like it was the Pirates or Reds, and it wasn't like they had lost three straight. They had won three straight. Uh, either way, when you have the Dodgers and Gonsolin down 6-0, and it's the seventh inning, and Adam Wainwright had been grinding out there, what, 118 pitches yeah. into the sixth inning, yeah. and you don't win that game, that one's smart. Yeah. Oh, it's Anytime you're going to have a six-run lead that late in the game, it's tough to not be frustrated by it. Uh, especially when the I mean, and I think that a lot of people are just like, well, if Helsley's not out there, they're just not confident in the bullpen overall, which might not be fair, but it is somewhat a fair point because Helsley's been so effective, and then you have a game like that where the rest of the bullpen kind of gets shelled. It stings, but like you said, against the Dodgers coming off three straight wins kind of eases the pain a little bit. Yeah, so the Cardinals, uh, you know, I mean, listen, that that's a bad loss. I mean, it, it, it comes on the heels, though, of – one of the best wins. Right, exactly. I also think that, in context, softens it. It's in the set, and here's a bigger picture thing. It's a real shame, not just because mathematically, once you're up six nothing in the seventh inning, you are expecting to win the game. It goes without saying, and I think you're going to ninety nine times out of a hundred. But if you can carry the momentum from that into beating a Cy Young candidate uh, with a team that's what twenty seven or something games over five hundred. Mm-hmm. In back-to-back nights, coming off of winning back-to-back games against the Phillies after you lost the first two of that series, then you only have one more left with the Dodgers. Who knows what happens in that? Either way, let's say you lose, you've won the series, and then you should win a series at home against the Reds. That goes without saying. And you have some momentum going into the All-Star break. Yeah. So it just changes the scope of things. But I think, you know, when it comes to it, down to it, you have 162 baseball games, and you have one David Perron and so for people it's also it's also the emotional element of it you have a guy you've you've grown to like you've seen with the organization going back what starting 14 years ago you've seen him win a Stanley Cup you saw him perform so well in the postseason saw him come back from an injury in Chicago saw all these things and then you go oh I think I think if he would have gone to Detroit for two years and 10 million maybe it changes people's minds I think it's the dollar figure I think it's the Feeling, and maybe it wasn't the literal words, but the feeling that the Blues would have liked to have brought him back that, that compounded it. But here's where I am on it. Final summary specific to it, because because I just kind of take emotion out of things. It makes me uh, really, really unlikable uh, and really unrelatable. But that's how I view business. It's it's math. Uh, but I just I just don't believe that the Blues are done. It's kind of that. That's that's where I am, and mm-hmm. so I don't think that Doug Armstrong was like, "Whoa, Detroit just got in here with a two-year deal. Where'd that come from?" I just think he is gangster cool, yeah. and he has a plan. And uh, from my standpoint, David Perron, 
as much as he might like him and respect him, didn't fit in with the math of the plan. And Doug Armstrong doesn't particularly care for the emotion. And that, I think, is why I'm a fan, because he will do what he thinks is necessary, even if it's not popular. And so from my standpoint, I get it, because his goal is to win. His goal isn't to necessarily make friends. Your thoughts, 65780. Dan McLaughlin is going to be joining us coming up at 1045. Looking forward to talking over that conversation with Dan McLaughlin. We're talking Cardinals. We're talking Blues here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Blues here this morning with the Piran News, the interview this morning on Carriker and Smallman, and also uh, the Cardinals losing after having a 6-0 lead into the seventh inning last night against, from my perspective anyway, especially when they're healthy, the best team in the National League, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Your thoughts are welcome. 65780, Dan McLaughlin going to join us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Uh, and that's coming up in about uh, nine minutes, ten minutes here on 101 ESPN. And then you have BK and Ferrario coming up at 11 a.m. Uh, let's see. Uh, Army plays chess, not checkers. No other GM in Blues history has brought a cup to St. Louis. Everyone needs to chill. That is from the 618. All off from the 314. Completely agree with you, Tim. I love Perron. Great guy and great player. But St. Louis fans want another cup. And sometimes that means making difficult decisions. Uh, so people are, you know, I, I, I think if I were to sum up what I think the majority of fans, not like it's a 90% majority, but the majority from what I have read in here is people are disappointed because they like Perron, but they either understand it or they trust Doug Armstrong. And so even though they're upset Perron is leaving, they are hopeful or understanding that the move had to be made and may be part of a bigger plan. That is what I would say is the majority of the response I am seeing. Now, to be clear, that's not everybody. To be clear, uh, that is that is not everybody. Uh, speaking of equity, John Mazalak has no equity with me. Trades away players such as Alcantara and Rosarino while holding on to guys like Matt Carpenter and Paul DeYoung. Too long. Fowler, Ozuna, Hayward, all were bus. Mo is overrated. That's from the 618. Well, I would tell you at this moment that uh, John Mazalak probably doesn't have a whole lot of uh, equity with the uh, – with with many St. Louis Cardinal fans relative to uh, what his tenure has generated as far as success but a lot of that success was in the first half of his tenure I would I would tell you if you were doing approval ratings and this is just these are called arbitrary approval ratings before I give my arbitrary approval ratings Jackson Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to you Doug Armstrong's approval rating with Blues fans 80 percent I would say 85%. That's the number I was thinking. John Mazalak's approval rating with Cardinal fans. 40%. I would say 25%. Okay. But this is one of those things that uh, I think I feel maybe it's Derek Gould who says this, uh, that there is what you see on Twitter and then, then what is actually the right. real sure. fan base. And Twitter is just a portion and it's the vocal portion. Yeah. Oftentimes uh, feels like a vacuum. Right. Oh, thought bubble, echo yeah. chamber, whatever you would want to call it. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Doug Armstrong has a ridiculously high approval rating in St. Louis. And uh, John Mazalox is, you know, 
and I, I understand people are going okay. They haven't won an NLCS game since 2014. What is uh, what's going on? Next couple of weeks for both guys, really for both organizations. Uh, these are these are big moments. It's it truly is. It's going to set a tone these next couple of weeks for these organizations. I'm glad that we uh, we get to observe it and talk about it because this is a, this is a pivotal moment, I think anyway, in Cardinal history. And uh, and the Blues just had to make a decision with a player who they knew was incredibly popular and did what they thought was in the best interest of, of the long term. Your thoughts are welcome. 65780. Uh, for those of you who are interested in the Open, uh, I'm not going to break down the leaderboard because I recognize Cam Young means uh, Jackson arbitrary percentage of Cam Young, who know who Cam Young is. Four percent. I think that's about right. Yeah. Uh, he is leading, but you, everybody knows who Tiger Woods is, and he is struggling. Yeah. Uh, I was high on him this week, too. Uh, he is currently four over, and I think he's on the fifth or sixth hole for the record at the Open. Rory McIlroy is uh, in second place. Most people know who he is. Uh, he is six under par. Cam Young is the leader. He is at eight under par. Uh, Tim, Mo can do anything he wants, and DeWitt won't do anything about it. That's from the 304. Now, there is something I will passionately disagree with. There is something, not not because I'm angry at the text per se, but just I think that that sometimes becomes a a misnomer regarding business in general. N- no one in a spot where uh, they're not the owner of the business can operate unilaterally, and if they can, they might as well just take control of the business. Uh, so I realize that. What is Bill DeWitt's uh, approval ranking in St. Louis? Fun with arbitrary approval rankings. That actually might be 40%. I would say Bill DeWitt's is 70%. Okay. Now, that, that might sound strange to some people because I think maybe here in an in, in audience of Sports Talk Radio, people might think it's you know, it's DeWallet and it's all that stuff. I think whenever the time comes that Bill DeWitt, the current chairman of the Cardinals, is no longer the chairman of the Cardinals, whether he hands it to his son or whatever happens, mm-hmm. uh, that he will go down as one of the greatest owners in the history of St. Louis professional sports. Wow. And I think he should yeah. go down as one of the greatest owners in the history of St. Louis professional sports, which to me strikes me as obvious, but might sound like a quote-unquote controversial take. And as I always say, whenever I give these Cardinal opinions, I have no... You know, I'm not, I'm not, I have no tie to the organization. I just tell you what I think. And when you look at the run the Cardinals have had since he's become the owner of the franchise, I don't know how you could say anything else. Now, it hasn't been a great last six years, but it still did include an NLCS. Right. In the relative, you know, relative to Cardinals of the past, of the 21st century, but to a lot of teams, they would kill to have the last six sure. years for the Cardinals. Um uh, I don't know about the kill they have the last six years, but the last couple decades, I don't know who who had right. it better. Right. It, it depends on what your perspective is on who had it better because the, the Giants have more world championships, the Red Sox have more world championships, but the Cardinals have been perennial since 2000, really, with one, one exception. So with that said, Bill DeWitt is not at the mercy of John Mazalak. John Mazalak can be at the mercy of Bill DeWitt, but Bill DeWitt owns the business, mm-hmm. and that... I'm sure all of you who either are currently working or did work and are now retired can picture your employer. Maybe you were the employer. And if you were the employer, you know that the, the person under you wasn't telling you what to do. They might You might ask for their opinion, but they didn't come in and tell you what to do. You own the business. So 
that was that's one of the, the unique things about this, which I also think kind of speaks to messaging and tone. Is I think John Mazalek's messaging and tone can rub some St. Louisans the wrong way, sure, and it plays a role in the perception of him and not necessarily uh, what is actually done. Because whether you like him or you don't, or you don't like a lot of the free agent signings, uh, I mean, over the last four years, they have two of the best trades made in Major League <laughs> Baseball with right. Paul Goldschmidt for what they traded him for, and, 100%. and Nolan Arenado for what they traded him for. My question is, what are they going to do this year when they are all but guaranteed to go into the playoffs with the division they're in and the spot that they're in, which is they can either win the Central and most likely be the three seed in the National League playoffs or be one of the wild cards? Uh, Percentage of people who know the actual playoff format in baseball in 2022? 15%. I'm going to go over that, but I would also go under 50. I just wouldn't go 15 but yes, I do think there are a lot of people, and I'm not faulting people for that. Right. I was talking about it this morning on TMA. I'm like, I got to make sure I know it. So just for the record, <laughs> <What's that? laughs> while we're here, uh, the, the top two teams, top two division winners uh, get buys into the NLDS. Let's just talk National League. And then the third uh, highest record division winner, most likely in the Central, uh, Cardinals or Brewers, will get... Uh, into the three-game playoff against the third-best wild card. Mm-hmm. All of the games at home, right? Which is huge. That's a- so it could be. It really could be Cardinals versus Brewers. Yeah, really and the could shadows. be. And uh, and beware the shadows. And it's best of three. And then the top two wild cards play each other in a best of three. And then those two teams advance to the LDS. Yeah. And then it goes how it has been for the last. 20 plus years. Uh, Dan McLaughlin going to join us on the other side of the break. Looking forward to getting his perspective on the festivities here over the last few days. Also last night uh, and what was a hell of a win two nights ago, but a hell of a loss last night. We'll talk it over with Danny Mac next here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back Balloon Party final segment that it's BK and Ferrario it is our pleasure to welcome as he joins us every Thursday ladies and gentlemen Dan McLaughlin with us morning Dan well good morning fellas how are you (laughs) I like that voice man I like that voice Dan I'm fine you were on the call last night I just hope you're holding people accountable on (laughs) hot talk radio I am I am calling for heads here that is what I am doing. I want everyone. Right. I want everyone terminated. Well, everyone what, needs to be fired. Everybody. I don't. Know, I don't know who's going to be there today when you get to the ballpark, but everybody will be gone if I were in charge. Uh, I, I do. I do find this, and maybe it's because a lot of the uh, focus this morning, uh, at least here on 101 ESPN, is on the Blues and David Prawn and free agency and so on and so forth. I also think it's because the Cardinals had won three straight and had one of their best wins of the year and one of their best wins in recent years two nights ago that people aren't as upset about blowing a six-run lead as maybe I would have thought they were I think a part of that also is because they were able to put up some offense against a guy who has just been shutting people down all year it's a tough one to lose but there isn't as much anger about it as I as I would have expected Uh, your perspective on the festivities last night well, that surprises me because um, I logged on to Twitter afterwards, and uh, the people you know that can you know tweet at me and stuff, 
um, they were they weren't real happy. They weren't happy with you. What did you do wrong? No, you know the the team blew it, and you suck too. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So I I anticipated that uh, there would be a lot of uh, angst, and uh, people would be fired up this morning. But I I have to remind myself, not only fans is that it is a long season, and you just have these. I mean, if you go back a week ago, the team wasn't hitting, right? And now all of a sudden they're hitting. And then they, they had a turn, a couple of turns to the rotation where guys weren't giving them five innings. And then Wayno starts this thing for a turn in the rotation where he has a complete game. Hudson went six. Palante kept you in a game. Then you had Miles give you a great start, and all of a sudden you're like, well, the rotation's fine. And then I think it was three or four weeks ago, well, the bullpen's awful. And then the bullpen in the month of July had an ERA that was under one until last night. So, you know, that's just the way this game it goes. Um, now, was last night a tough loss? On the flip side of everything I'm saying, 100%. Was it one of the toughest losses of the year, if not the worst loss of the year? Yeah, I could make a case for that. But – this is baseball, and you go get them 24 hours later. I, I think the thing that makes it really tough is that Ali was shorthanded with his pen. And if Ryan Helsley can't go on back-to-backs, and he has pitched a bunch, uh, but it was only 13 pitches the day before, and I thought Gallegos was on fumes, you're going to have games like that. So it had been 13 years for the Cardinals, 278 games in which they had a six-run lead or better in the seventh inning or later, and lost that game. So it doesn't happen very often, um, but it happened last night. Yeah, and and so that, I think, is is where people are understandably upset. You have a six-run lead against that team. The thing that I think makes it disappointing, in addition to just having a six-run lead and losing the game, is it is against the Dodgers, and the momentum to not only to beat them just in general, but to beat Gonsolin, and then also do it coming on the heels of what was one of their best wins of the year. You got a lot of momentum. Even if you lose today, then you're going into a red series. You'd like to think you're going to win that, and the all-star break. Uh, And so it, it really could have potentially propelled... Uh, the team forward. You were talking about where things were this time last week. They started off the series against the Phillies losing the first two, and then you've seen this offense come alive. What what highlights to you about this this recent surge before uh, losing last night after getting out to, to six runs on the Dodgers and uh, Gosselin? Well, I think it's be it's it would what I see is production from other people other than Goldie and Arenado. So the bottom of the lineup has contributed. Uh, You saw Donovan, by the way, pinch hit last night, so I would assume he's going to be in that lineup today. Um, That's what I saw, is that, and when they were in a rut, when Donovan kind of came back down to earth and Tommy Edmond had a real rough stretch, um, when those two weren't getting on, there was nothing else. So if you didn't have Goldie Arenado, uh, you're you're not going to win. So Others have to be able to step up and give them something. Andrew Kisner's had a great homestand. That's been fun to see. Dickerson has provided uh, some moments here. Lars Newtbar, Albert Pujols. So you've had other guys contribute. And if this team's going to go anywhere, that has to continue. That trend needs to continue to where it's not just the, the big two guys in the middle of your lineup where you're relying on them every night. So before... You know, it may have been glossed over the bottom of the lineup not contributing because Edmund and Donovan are getting on and the big guys are bringing them in. And when they weren't getting on, 
all of a sudden you saw, well, what's going on with this offense? Well, that was it. So you have to have other people contribute, and uh, and I think they will. I love what I'm seeing out of Albert Pujols, by the way, guys. Um, yeah, he said he found something last Wednesday in Atlanta, and it looks like he wasn't lying what he's done since no. then. <laughs> he's figured something out, and I think it's – um, a little bit about the inside pitch where it's not like he's opening up and, and you could just bang him in and then all of a sudden he'll chase outside. He's trusting his hands. And that home run that he hit the other day, that's vintage Albert. That's hands drawn in, barrel to the ball. Don't know how he does it. Rarely do guys keep that fair. And he hits it out of the ballpark and he's 42 years old. It's just ridiculous. So uh, we're starting to see something with him. And, again, if you can get uh, contributions from, from other people, it uh, – it makes this length in their their lineup and, and their offense should be able to be a better team than what we've seen. I don't, I don't know about you guys, and maybe it's the, the fan in me, but I, I still, every time Albert comes up, I love it. It's yeah. just still yeah. fun. I, I know he's not the player that he was, but, man, is it still fun to watch. Well, I mean, he's he's mounted a bit of a charge here with the home runs, so you can you can – you can think. I don't know how realistic. I don't know what percentage we would put it at. Jackson, what per, I always I, Dan, I yield to Jackson on percentages here. What well, percent? sure you do. Ten uh, percent. <laughs> Ooh, that's pretty high. But I, I it'd be wonderful. Yeah. If it could happen. To uh, get to seven hundred. Yes, to get to seven hundred. So last night was game number. Let's just think about it. So last night math. I think was was game number ninety ninety one whatever. So you know you're talking that you've got roughly. Uh, 70 games left. Um, he's playing a lot more right now, and it's due in part to the fact that he figured something out, and he's he's obviously able to hit right. He's better than maybe he could at the beginning of the season. So it, it would be very tough to do. I'll say that. But if he's going to play a lot, I never count this man out. I, I've just learned you never count out this guy. Now, I don't think he's going to get it. Uh, and I think the percentages are low to get to 700, but can he pop 10 more? Sure. I mean, it's it's something that could happen because he's playing more. So if you play more, you're going you're gonna to up your chances. If he gets, I know this is a question that only Albert Pujols can answer, but if he gets to 695, do you think he goes, you know what, I'm going to come back and, and get five more? I've thought about that. <laughs> I really have. I don't. I don't think he will. But again, like I just said, I don't count him out either, mm-hmm. right? No, I... I you know what? Do you, what do you do if you're, you know, you're uh, Mister Three Thousand? You know, <laughs> you're right. 60, Ninety-nine. I mean, <laughs> one more to get? Why not? <laughs> I, I don't think he would. I don't. Uh, all right, we got the, uh, the the uh, the trade deadlines coming up, and I'm I'm curious what you think the Cardinals will be doing. Will they fall into the category of being aggressive? Active? Do you think they're going to see how it plays out? What do you think the mindset is? Well, I think, and I mentioned this to Brad the last two nights, so I keep bringing up now the wild cards because the the season, the reality of this is that I don't think people understand, and me included, until I looked at it the other day. So the season got pushed back by a week. So now the All-Star game is pushed back by a week. We come back, fellas, there's roughly – you know, two-month stretch of, of games. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know, so this is it. This is the stretch. This is the, the push. This is when you're in, you know, go time, and you really start looking at magnifying these important games and winning. And so my point is, is that the last two nights I looked at the wild card. Look at how many teams have a shot. So how many teams are really going to be dealing? So you have your, your division winners, and then you have, I can make a case in each league, in the wild card, there's seven or eight teams that feel they got a shot. 
So now that's, you know, that's 16, you know, you talk about two-thirds of the league saying we got a shot to win this thing. Yeah. So so the the question, I think, becomes, yeah, they, they have needs, but who's willing to deal? And out of the 10 to 12, 13 teams that are out of it, what do they have? And then you can eliminate the central teams because they're not going to trade within the division more than likely, so that reduces it even more. That's the thing that makes it, I think, hard if you're trying to deal. And the other thing is, which is the obvious stuff, which is if you want to go get a top-tier uh uh, pitcher, you're, you're looking at the first thing they're going to ask for is Walker, Wynn, Graceffo, McGreevy, uh, Tink Hintz. You know, these guys aren't going anywhere, I wouldn't think. And so that, that makes it hard. So I, I would look at them if they deal. It's not going to be for a top-tier guy, but more for a guy that can hopefully give them innings and stabilize the rotation, which has been rocky at times. That's the way I would think, or at least just generally speaking, arms. There it I is. You're going to look at that. Dan McLaughlin, you'll hear him tonight. Cardinals and Dodgers. Dakota Hudson going up against Tyler Anderson, who is nine and one on the year, showing you the power of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Fifty-seven and thirty. Cardinals, forty-eight and forty-three. Two games back of the Brewers. Dan, always enjoy the conversation. Thank you so much for the time. Have a great call this evening. And if you have a ticket, Tim. It's a 6:15 first pitch. You ah, early start. Us, you didn't let me finish. And if you can't join us in person, well, by golly, join us on the television. Oh, Hi again, everybody. Goodness. Man, I like that. By golly, join us on the television. Man, I like that. That's right. Thank you, Dan. It's been my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Dan McLaughlin with us here on Balloon Party. BK and Ferrario coming up next. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been The Little Piddle Show on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.